Well, good morning. I'm Dan Clancy. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I just wanted to thank you before I even get started here today. Is uh, man, I love you guys. It's great being a pastor here in this church. Um, we got here in around '95, and uh, then we went away to St. Louis and. We said after we left, we're like, if we ever have a chance to go back to the chapel in North Canton, we'll, we'll take it. And uh, my kids have told me, Dad, that's the greatest decision you ever made. Thank you for making that decision. So I love you guys, and I'm glad that you're here. And man, uh, it's nice outside, isn't it? Fall's here. I got to put on my sweaters. And uh, the Browns, they're in first place. <laughs> it's been like 20-some years since you could say that, right? I don't know exactly when, but they beat my Ravens last week. I wasn't really too happy about that. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, don't boo that. But uh, anyway, um, how many of you were here last week? Well, you missed it. You missed it. Wasn't Don Bartlett amazing last week? Wasn't his story amazing? It's really hard to follow up on that and be the preacher that's next up. And everyone's comparing you to the famous Don Bartlett. But, wow. The thing that got me the most in the story is... As he was telling this story, which I had heard it several times, so you listen for different pieces as you listen for something here, and to me, the thing that struck me was that woman, that woman that reached out, that woman that decided to help Don, and I think that probably most people, you want to be that person. You want to be that woman or that man that really makes a big difference and you want your life to count for something. But how did she do that? You know, those were probably very difficult things, especially during that time. Um, you know, that she, she went the extra mile. You know, she invited Don into her house. She helped him learn to eat and to speak. And she educated him. She got him into school. She probably helped arrange for doctor's appointments and, and all that. And, you know, when I think of our society, it's very easy for, in our society, and very normal for us to be selfish. But that woman was selfless. And uh, that is supernatural, to be selfless. And uh, to answer the question, how does someone do that? I think we do that because of Jesus. And because uh, we don't have the power on our own to live a life like that. It's only Jesus living inside of us. Jesus living inside of us is the hope of this world, the hope of this community. And she reached out with love, and because of Jesus, you can do that too. 
you can do that too. I'm going to challenge you early. I know that we're just starting and it's just, it's too early to be throwing out challenges. You know, we're like supposed to be in the introduction and we're learning the dance with one another. But I'm going to challenge you. One prayer that I guarantee you that God will answer. If you will pray this one prayer, it will literally change your life. And the prayer is this, is Jesus Use me. Use me like you've never used me before. And that is one prayer that God will will answer. I was talking to my wife, Leah, and uh, wave to everyone, hon. She's down there in the middle there. My wife, Leah, and this week she works at Rahab Ministries, and she was telling me what a great uh, week that they're having and they're seeing results and all these great things are happening and uh, she works with young girls who have been sexually trafficked it's not a job that everyone wants to get into but these girls are broken they're broken in every way possible and to help one girl she was telling me it takes a lot of different people It takes law enforcement, it takes judges, it takes attorneys, it takes caseworkers, mentors, counselors, caregivers, therapists, cooks, people that will pray, people that will donate. It's a lot of people helping just one person. And that's what God wants us to do is he wants us as a church to come together using our different talents and our abilities. We're all different pieces of the body there, the body functioning as one. And today I'll be uh, finishing the series, um, Simple Gospel. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I think back through all the years of all the different sermons I've been asked to, to preach. Like one year I had to preach on self-control and you know being the pastor that has a little bit of extra weight here I'm like oh that's a hard one to preach and then you know you know I could go on and so forth and so on but um, I like simple gospel I'm a simple person I'm the best person to 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 teach this you know because I'm so simple and that's what I pray today that I'll do in a very, very simple way. I will challenge you with the gospel and I will challenge you to take an inner look at our life. Now, how many of you in here, you, you love to cook? How many of you? Okay. How many of you hate to cook? Okay. Okay, a lot more that hate to cook than love to cook. How many of you love to eat? (laughs) Okay, now my wife is from Texas, and, you know, Texans, they, they like things with a little bit of heat to it. When I first moved to Texas, that was a little hard for me to get used to. And so, some of that's, ooh, that's good. 
Today, I'm going to be sharing with you um, the gospel and, oh, that's so good, the gospel and salsa. And uh, today, I'm going to share with you my recipe. You can go home and you can try it. I'll keep pulling things out of my bag here and then... Well, we'll get going. So, well, that's something else. Okay, I'm a jalapeno. So, here we go. So, being from Texas, one of the things, uh, like I said, my wife loves to, you know, things that are hot, things that are fresh. But one thing you may not know about me is I love to cook. I really do. I love to cook. I like to try recipes. And, uh, you know, I do that on staff retreats. I do that on missions trips. I do that when we invite people over to the house for camps, everything. I love to cook. And my kids, they love it usually when I, like to, when I cook the thing that they like, which we have a lot of junk food eaters in our house. And uh, one of the things that I make is this salsa here. And after the sermon, you can come up. I got the stuff. You can, you can try it out. You can see if I'm up to the task. But this morning, what I'm going to be doing is sharing salsa and the gospel. And the salsa for you, Texans would call all of you Yankees. Uh, anybody that's north of Texas is a Yankee. Even though you're in the south, you're still a Yankee. And it's going to be nice and mild. But here's the ingredients. The first thing is cilantro. You get the cilantro. It was growing in the ground, and it had to be cut from its roots. The second thing is you want to get about three pounds of tomatoes, fresh red tomatoes and at one time it was growing on its vine and it had to be cut from its life source then you have this this is a small one but then you have a onion preferably a large sweet onion it's part of the recipe there then you get the garlic put a little bit of garlic in there salt and pepper and then you add the heat. Now you have to make sure that you cut these in half and get all the seeds out because the seeds are really what makes you sweat. And so if you don't like to do that, you want to take the seeds out. You get all these ingredients and you, you put them on the grill. And you let them... Just so good. You can start to smell it. You let them grill. And you want it to stay on the grill until it's charred. You're like, oh, man, you're burning these vegetables. No, 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 no. We're just adding flavor. You add that, it adds that smokiness. If you look in the salsa, you can see little specks of, uh, of char in there. And it just makes the flavor pop. It's just really, really good. I got to see Carmen back here. Welcome home from college. Carmen is, likes to cook, too. So 
you grill all these vegetables, you, you get them all together, and you put all the ingredients in a blender. And then you puree it, and you let it go. Then you pour it in, let it chill, stay in the refrigerator for a, for a while. But it's just incredible. Now let me ask you some questions. What if we left the tomatoes out for too long, a week or two? What starts to happen to the tomato? Exactly. It rots. It becomes nasty. Why? Because when you sever something from its life source, it begins to die. It begins to decay. Now here's a shocking fact. We have to eat in order to live. And all of our food at one time was alive. It was alive. But it had to die in order to give us life. Now here's some of my favorites here. Now this is my most favorite here. I'll show it on the screen here. Is I love steaks. Can everyone make the sound? Moo. Moo. Now... Some people like to go to Chick-fil-A and, you know, can anyone say cluck? Okay, cluck, cluck. Everything that we eat was alive at one time. But in order to give us life, it had to die. Now, what is this right here? It's Twinkie. It's Twinkie. Did it have to die? No. Is it good for you? Mm, I heard someone say yes. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it's good or bad for you because I can't even pronounce half the ingredients in it. You can leave a Twinkie in your ref refrigerator or pantry for years, and it'll still look the same. Nothing happens to it. Sort of like margarine. Okay. So the more a food is good for you, the more the food had to die. And so here's an important concept for you, okay? Death in food gives us life. Now, can you repeat that with me? Death in food gives us life. Now, Here's the ecosystem and the primal elements here. So let's go to that slide here. Okay. The, the worm is eaten by the bird. The bird is eaten by the cat. And when Fluffy gets old, we bury Fluffy. And the grandchildren of the worm eats Fluffy. That's the circle of life. I didn't create it. I'm just telling it. It's the food chain. Things had to die in order to bring life. 
by the death of one thing brings the life of another. Now, I don't want to shock you or anything, but let's put the next, next one up here. Ooh, okay. What is this? Yes, it is manure. And it's gross. Now, this is a picture of death. This is a picture of decay. And yet, when you take death and decay and you sprinkle it on plants, what happens to the plants? They grow. And they grow well. Makes them grow. You see, death is the engine of life. It's the way God made it. Now, I've been in conversations with non-believers, people that are brought to church, relatives, relatives that usually come here for the same holiday, you know, Easter or Christmas or whatever. And then one of the questions they ask me after the church service is over, I swear this has happened, they're like, why is it that every time I go to church with you, they talk about Jesus dying on the cross? Why do you guys keep talking about this? Isn't there more to talk about than this? And I say to them, well, you only come on Easter. You know, it's sort of what we talk about. But it's really important because when God talks about giving us life, it's through the death of his son. Jesus dying on the cross wasn't a brand new thought. It was the way that God created the universe to work. It's the way God set things up. Now, let's look at some of these key passages here. It says in Romans chapter 5, in verse 8, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. It says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ, what? Died. He, Christ died for our sins in accordance to scriptures. Romans chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, for the death he, what? Died. He died to sin once and for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. That all is talking about you. That all is talking about me. That he died for all of us. And the writers are telling us something very, very important is that life comes from death. Now, maybe you hear this morning, and one of the things that you really struggle with is selfishness. Now, listen, I really have a great verse to you. In Romans chapter 23, in verse 11, it says, The greatest among you shall be your servant shall be your servant you see when you serve somebody 
What are you doing other than serving them? You are dying to yourself. You are dying to yourself in order to give life to someone else. Many of you have had people in your life do something for you that is so incredible, so unexpected that it moved you. And it moved you in such a way that you can't even explain it. I remember years ago, um, I took a group of teenagers and um, adults to Mexico. And our, a lot of people in this room went to Mexico with me last year. Same trip, same thing. Except it doesn't normally rain in the high desert there. But this particular year... It was weird. It rained like three days while we were there. And I mean, when you're building a house and stucco and cement and all this other stuff, you need it not to rain. But when we got there, three of the girls in my youth group started sort of doing their own thing. And I'm watching them in the side, and I'm like, ah, should I say something? Should I not say something? And so the first thing... They were help, we were building a house for a grandma. She's probably in her early 70s. I swear the whole week, I never saw her eat once. I don't know if they even had food. In her little shack, it was maybe six by four, and in she had a bed for her and her husband, a little chair, and, you know, I don't know what else they had in there. I don't think they had anything. No running water, no bathroom, no electricity, no anything. And they made the house with pallet boards, cardboard, tires on the roof. And when it started raining, these three girls noticed that the grandma was inside the hut and she was shivering. It was cold. And she was wet and all through her roof, rain was coming down. And so these girls, 16 years old from Louisiana, not much construction experience, um, they decided they were going to make her condition a little bit better. And so they got the tarps, you know, that we brought. I don't know why we brought them, but we brought them. And they had the tarps. They spread it out nicely on on our roof and I'm thinking Mallory don't get on that roof if you get on that roof the whole thing is going to collapse and this the little bit that she has is going to be Mallory was persistent she kept on spreading him out equally when the rain flapped up she would get tires and put them there so finally the lady was in her house and it wasn't dripping rain all over. The end of the week goes by. You never know what people notice or don't notice. You're just doing your thing. And Mallory was doing her thing. But the week ended, and we do what we always do. We have a presentation. We give the house and the keys to the grandma and the grandpa. And it was weird. We're all hugging them. My family was there. They're all, we're all hugging the grandmother and praying for her. And 
we all brought little gifts, you know, whether it be we built her a two-house, two-bedroom house and a kitchen and living room and all that. So we have little things for her, you know, like rug and curtains. And But as we're going through, we're hugging her. And when she, she had hugged like 20 of us. And then when she, she got to Mallory, she started weeping. She embraced Mallory. They didn't understand one another. There's a language barrier. But she did something that I've never seen before in my life. I've done this trip 25 times. The grandma took off her wedding ring. And she placed it in Mallory's hands. And she held it tight. And they hugged and they cried and it was the only thing of value that that grandma had and she gave it to Mallory because Mallory did something for her that moved her and then then the grandma did something that not only moved Mallory but moved our whole group next thing you know all of us all 20-some of us are in tears. We've never seen this kind of generosity. We've never seen this kind of poverty before. But it was truly like when Jesus talked about the woman giving all she had, all of her mites to the Lord. And that is the kind of life that God wants us to live. You see, when we serve people, when we serve people, we're dying to ourselves. And that's why when someone does something for you, it brings you so much life. So much life. You get far more back than what you've ever given. You see, death leads to life. And that is why selfish people live in a shrinking world. Their world gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Why? Because their world is all about them. When you're selfish, it's a refusal for you to die. Instead of giving life to people, when you're selfish, you suck the life out of everyone that you meet. And you probably have met people like that. Maybe sometimes you are that. But when we die, when I serve you, and when I love you, my world gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you choose to live for yourself, like I said, your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. We're going to go to the next slide. The slide is this cross, this empty cross. What I'm going to challenge you today is some of you need to take all the dead, decaying, dying stuff in your life, and you need to place it at the cross. You need to place it at the cross and leave it there. Maybe you need to take some of the beautiful stuff in your life also. 
you're like, damn, why would I take my beautiful stuff and give it away and leave it at the cross? Because for some of you, the beautiful stuff, as beautiful as it is, it's becoming an idol for you. I know, and Leah's heard me say this many times, when we were in St. Louis, after we were here the first time, we went to St. Louis and I had built for us, or someone built for us, our dream home. I love that dream home. It was the highest point in the county. I had the best view. We had five acres. We had woods. I had a wraparound porch all the way around my house. I loved it. I couldn't wait to get home. When people would come to visit us, they would stay for hours hours and hours because it gave them life too. But you want to know what started happening? I was consumed with it. All the things that I had to do, all the things that I needed to fix, all the, you know, one day I'm going to put a pool here. One day there's going to be a writing shack for Leah. One day, one day, one day an idol. You need to leave the beautiful things sometimes at the cross too. When I first became a believer, um, I had a guy in our church and he was like, Dan, I want to give you some life-giving um, advice about your Christian life. I'm like, I'm all ready for it. I'm going to tell you some things that you need to do. And I was all ready for it. I knew I was going to get, you need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to do all these great things. But he surprised me. He didn't say anything about it. He said, Dan, what you need to do every day is you need to have a funeral for yourself. What? You need to have a funeral for yourself. Every day you need to talk to the Lord and you need to die you need to die to yourself. He said, Dan, it's not a new sin that will trip you up, something you haven't even thought about doing. He said, usually it's the same old patterns, the same old things. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to admit to the Lord that this is sin. And it breaks his heart. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a way out. And so when that opportunity to do that sin comes that day, the Holy Spirit will remind you, no, Dan, we've already talked about this this morning. You don't have to do it. You're dead to this. You're not alive to this anymore. And when that opportunity came, and it always did, is there was a way out. You see, dead people don't sin. Dead people don't have addictions. And when you die to stuff, that is when you begin to live. The question today for you to ask yourself, is there anything in your life that you need to die to? Is there anything in your life that you need to die to? 
Are there things in your life that are sucking life from you? You see, it's only when we die that we begin to live. And I believe that God created all of us in this room to be world changers, to change the world. I believe that God is looking for people in every generation, whether you're young, in middle school, or whether you're, last service they gave me permission to say this, or whether you're old. Whether you're young or whether you're old, God's looking for people in every generation who will change the world. So many Christians, they want Jesus. They want eternal life. They want the blessings. But they want to escape pain. No one likes pain. No one wants pain. No one seeks it out. You see, God has wired each and every one of us in this room to make a difference. Difference in your school, in your neighborhood, in your job. So, as I'm ending here today, what is your next step? What is your next step? What is God asking you to do? Maybe you need to die to a website. Maybe you need to die to a bad relationship. Maybe you need to die to bitterness. Maybe you need to die to jealousy. In first in Colossians chapter three, it tells us. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Put to death. And when you put to death those things, you will begin to live. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Christ into your life, it's no coincidence that you're here and that you're hearing a life-giving um, message. God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to die for you. And if you're a Christian already, maybe God is calling you to die to yourself so that you can live. Will you pray with me? From right where you're at this morning, I know that sometimes we ask you to come forward and respond, but you can make that choice right where you're sitting this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're not sure that you have eternal life. Right where you're sitting, you can say this morning, yes to Jesus. Yes to inviting him into your life. And right where you're sitting, if you've known the Lord for a while, if there's something that you need to die to, if there's something in your life that's becoming an idol, I want you to mentally see yourself placing it at the altar. And if God so moves as we sing this last song and you want to 
if you want to do something physical, like walking up here and praying, then I invite you to do that this morning.